it had a, a locked rear end, so they wouldn't have been able to go up on the curb and leave the tread marks on the outside. Hey everybody, welcome to our percentile vice. My name is Emily. I'm going to be your keeper tonight for the second part of The Haunting. I am joined today by... I'm Steve, sometimes Rick. Find me on Twitter at RickStevensPI. Hit me up, give me a follow. I need the numbers. I need the numbers. And I am John playing Jasper Neesmith PI. Neesmith. I guess I should have put in who I was playing. Meh. Debatable. Uh, well, who are you playing? Dr. Terrence Bigby. 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 Not Digby? It's going to be Digby. <laughs> somebody misspelled it on, I don't know, an overlay or something. Something. And I can go with Bigby. All my buddies back in college called me Biggs. Biggs. Mr. Biggs. Mr. Biggs. All right. So when last we left, you two were searching the Church of Contemplation and had just nearly fallen through some very old rickety floorboards, managed to make your save and not fall through. But you are now standing in a dilapidated um, church-like structure with a large cavernous hole leading down to some black kind of pit beneath the church. So, talk. Pit stop. Sure. You were supposed to go to the bathroom before we started the <laughs> Right. <laughs> I find it keeps me more on my game. Right, if you're <laughs> just like anxious. <laughs> more energy if I'm bouncing around doing the pee-pee dance in the chair. I got you. Um, tell me your character's name again. Jasper Neesmith. Mr. Neesmith. So, Jasper, uh, appears to be something... Down there, uh, maybe we should um, do diligence and all. Check it out. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we came here to find information before heading to the house. So, when a new door opens in front of you, you'd be dumb not to take it. <laughs> this may be the one game where that does not hold up. <laughs> you know, call it Cthulhu in general. Yeah, that's in entirely true. So let's go down. Okay. So how are you guys going to try to get down? What's it look like? How big is the pit? How black is it? It's very, very dark. Um, you're not really seeing any kind of light source from beneath or a floor. The pit itself is probably about four foot wide by maybe six feet. You know, a standard <clears throat> thing. You can see one rafter that's kind of in the middle of it that has managed to stay intact while the boards around on top of it have fallen through. How long did it take to make a sound after some of the boards fell through a minute ago? It was it was relatively quick, but there was definitely a drop. But it wasn't like, you know, this cavernous, like, 10-second silence. It was like a... And there was a lot of sounds going on as all these rafters break and things like that. But you can tell it's probably not a, a lethal distance, but it is a distance. But now we know why the pews were only for two people. Because otherwise we could have taken a long 
you get in there and built a slide down in there. Yes, the foresight to not make it fun for you. <laughs> I'm going to take a cigarette, light up a cigarette, take a quick drag. You know those are good for your health, right? Oh, yeah. Very good. Drop it down in the hole. Okay. Do I see anything? Um. So the ember of your cigarette, you know, stays alight. You see it fall. What you would make me a, a spot hidden. Poof, you're a spot hidden. Poof. I will not be making you a spot hidden on this day. Okay. I'd like um, to think I was peering over the hole, too, as he dropped that down. That's close. Maybe peering is a strong word. No, I made it. Okay. 51 out of a 60, so I... Uh, Good. So you see that it probably falls maybe 15 feet. Um, and it is, you can both see that it's laying on the ground, but as far as being able to judge the fall distance and keeping track of this small little glowing ember, you'd, you'd estimate about 15 feet. Are there any lanterns in the church? No. Church candles. Those are big things in churches. I'd like to search, try to find a church candle. You know, one of the big fat ones they put up on the altar. I got you, I got you. Right, make a spot hidden. Spot candle is a failure, okay. and I am not willing to spend the 14 points of luck to make that. Once he says he's looking for a candle, I'd like to also look for a candle. Okay. And I rolled a 96. Okay. There are no candles there to be never found in this house today. In the world. In the world. They're gone. Uh, no, you do manage to find a candle, but it's um, not in the holder. The holder seemed to have been plundered and taken. Um, but there are some stumpy little ends of candles that are rolled around. You'd leave, if you'd like to grab one, you may, but you're going to have to hold it and have maybe uh, an inch of above your hand <clears throat> for wax. I've had a stumpy in my hand before. <laughs> It's one of those big wide candles, right? So it's kind yes, of like, it's like tuna a tuna can here. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a pillar candle. It's a tuna can. So there's a lot of width, not a lot of, or not a lot of length to it. It's a girth. Wicked. Girthy. Girthy. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but uh, maybe we could try taking one of these two-person pews off the floor and lower it down there sideways and see about climbing down on it. No, two-person, so you can figure this pew's probably about five or six feet long, right? Yeah. So if we can lower it down there, eventually it requires us to drop it and then hope that it stays upright and not tips over the rope. I'd like to look around for a rope now. Okay, make a spot hidden. I rolled a zero one. That is not an extreme, it's like critical success. Critical I forget success. what the word is for it. But. So over to one side, you see kind of like the dilapidated half-broken frame of a window. And just below it on the floor is an old curtain rod that would have been double width of a window. Um, so the curtain rod itself is about maybe 10 feet long. But attached to it are still these moldy, nasty curtains. And attached to each one is a long... Fairly thick um, rope, rope, decorative gold rope that would have been used to draw them. Um, by your estimation, you probably have about ten to 15, about fifteen feet of, of rope that you could tie together between the two. 
All right. So I'm going to tie them together. Mm-hmm. You need like a survival roll or something. I assume that. you can tie a knot. This is Jasper Neesmith. Neesmith. Going to tie them together. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we will. You got that rafter in the middle of the hole if you'd like to use. Okay. Oh, that's brilliant. We'll try to pry up one of the benches, the pews. Mm-hmm. How does that work out for us? They're not bolted down. A lot of them have, you know, been shifted and moved. They're they can pick up. It's no more heavy than you know your standard bench seat. So we're gonna <clears throat> try to hook it up so it is tied, but maybe not tied all around, like. No. However, we can so there's like it. A, a decorative back, and it's lightly separated from the base of the seat. You know, if there's a hole, so you can just tie it around the backside, and it won't use up too much of your rope, and be able to lower it down. It's probably going to sway a little bit as it goes, but you should be able to, with reasonable ease, lower it down and get it to lay where you want it to lay. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Okay, and then. Hey, why don't we tie the rest of the rope around this rafter? And then we can climb down using the rope. Just shimmy on down it. I like it. Okay. Do you want a climb roll? I do want a climb roll. 98. Okay. So as you attempt to climb down... Go ahead. Go ahead and get my pencil. Five. On a 20% chance, that is a hard success. So, uh, Jasper, you go down first, and as you are attempting to go down, um, you lose your grip on the rope and after about two to three feet and kind of swing around the bottom of it and kind of fall to the ground, and you need to roll a 1d6 for damage. One. One point of damage. So, you're able to fall with relative ease, not too bad. You, on the other hand, Mr. Biggs... Uh, you see him make this mistake and decide to use a little more care, wrap your legs around the rope, and are able to shimmy yourself down much more elegantly um, and very lightly. Land on your feet to Jasper on his ass. I say, man, need a hand up? Yeah, sure. It's uh, awfully dark down here. Do our eyes... So I assume there's some light coming in from above, so... Do our eyes eventually adjust to what it's like down here? After a few minutes, your eyes begin to adjust and you're able to kind of see your surroundings. Um, You find yourself in part of a basement. Um, To one side, there is a stairwell that seems to have been sealed off uh, with concrete and stone um, as if it was was completely sealed. Um, Going up or down? Going upstairs to the church level. Mm -hmm. Um, In this room, you find a cabinet, a large like curio cabinet type thing. And next to the cabinet are two skeletons that are dressed in tattered silk robes, um, huddled together right up against this cabinet in the opposite direction of the stairs. So from the stairwell, you would not have been able to see them behind the cabinet. Other than that, there's bits of debris, obviously the stuff that has fallen down the church pew, and just various bits of gunk and mold and nasty. Tattered silk robes. Tattered silk robes. These are some high-class cultists right here. Only the best for my cultists. What color are the robes? 
Um, so given the fact that they are very worn. Yeah, mostly the color of mildew. They are very mildewy, moldy. Um, but you could tell that they originally would have been maybe a dark red. Maroon, if you will. Maroon, but a li- edging more towards the blacker side of maroon. Like it's much more, it's darker red. It's almost black, but you can see that there are some some red hints in areas that are less soiled. Can we check the pockets? Oh, good call. Certainly. So make me a spot hidden. After spending two luck, it is a regular success. Okay. Um, so the robes themselves do not have pockets. However, uh, you know, they do have clothes underneath. Um, one of them in their pockets has like a very rusty, burnt out lighter and an old pack of or case of cigarettes. Um, the other one doesn't seem to have anything in his pockets, but you do find that it is incredibly unpleasant to touch it. Um, these are nearly completely gone bodies, but they are still bodies and they have kind of molded and shrunk down and mildewed and just kind of caked themselves onto these skeletons. So you have to do quite a bit of work to reach your hand in there and kind of crack it away from the body and dig your hand in. It's quite disgusting. Sounds like I might be due up for a sanity roll. You might be. So. I'm not going to have you do one. I'm due up for a memory roll because... In my mind, I, I missed the whole body part the first time you said it. I thought it was just a couple robes hanging up in no, a closet. two skeletons. Okay, well. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Two skellies. Two skeletons in robes. A lighter and an old pack of cigarettes. Correct. Leaned up against the far side of Nothing a cabinet. Nothing else in this room. Cabinet, debris, the stairs that are sealed going upwards, and two skeletons. Debris, paper, that kind of debris. Um, um, some of it looks like it could have been paper. Um, it's far too gone to distinguish what it was. Some of it is, you know, old boards or paint cans, um, various maintenance uh, things. It looks like this would have been used for storage for the most part, but there is, you know, a side of the room that's pretty well cleared out up underneath the stair or where the stair landing comes into. I was just thinking back about the investigation we did. Um, So there was a raid on this chapel by the police, um, supported by affidavits swearing the members of the church were responsible for the disappearances of neighborhood children. Are these adult skeletons? They are. During the raid, the policemen and 17 cult members were killed by gunplay or fire. Autopsy reports are singularly lacking detail and uninformative as though the coroner had not actually performed examinations. 54 church members arrested, all but eight released. So I assume he's sort of... So there's some fire here. Is there any... um, I'm sorry, John. I was just going to say, I assume you're sort of thinking out loud. Yes. 
Yeah, well, probably looking through my notes from the stuff we found in the uh, the library and the newspaper office. Go ahead with what you were going to ask about the fire stuff. Are, is there evidence of fire down here? No. But there was <clears throat> above. Yes. Okay. Seems as though that the stone floors um, that are up underneath the boards along the edge and then where it's been sealed and all that stuff that it just didn't manage to make it all the way down through to the basement. There's no other way down here. No. So, uh, One set of stairs. Any idea how these guys might have died? I think they were sealed down here. I mean, they didn't have a hole in the floor to climb down. The only way in or out of this basement is those stairs, and the opening to above has been concreted. Is that a word? It is now. Make it is concrete. Today. I can make any word a verb. Try me. Concretion. Concreted over. Now, whether they did that to hide themselves and and something of value, or if the other cult members threw them down there and then blocked it. Are you sure they were alive when they came down here? That's a good question. Could uh I take a look at the bodies. They're just down to skeletons now, right? Yeah. Yeah. You remnants of like tufts of hair, things like that. But for uh, the most part, just I would like to take a good look at one of the skulls. Okay. And and just try to think. You know, what were they thinking and feeling when they died? I'd make a psychology roll. Okay, give me that psychology. <laughs> On a skull. On the skull, just no like medicine. hold it in front of you. <laughs> Alas, <laughs> poor York. I'm sorry, it's been a while. What kind of doctor are you again? I'm a professor. Not of, that kind. Of uh, archaeology. Well, kind of that kind. I'm a university professor, got a lot in psychology and archaeology, so. Okay, so what'd you roll? Like if you were an actual archaeologist, you probably would have enough to see if the skull was caved in. Um, on a, on a psychology role, I got an extreme success with a roll of eight. It's a bit of a bush take here. I bush take. Um, yeah. So with your, um, knowledge and experience with like dig sites and, and burial grounds, um, you can tell by the way the bodies are positioned that these two people would have been huddled together. So the bodies weren't just dropped here. You know, there's like arm, one arm behind one arm across and things like that. Um, <clears throat> And you take a moment and you kind of have this like aha moment when you realize that where they're sitting behind this large cabinet, out of view of the staircase, it looks as though that they were hiding from something, that they have come down here to hide. Um, and you do notice that in each of the cloaks that there is a, there's bullet holes across the front. They're small. But they are there. They kind of blend in with kind of the moth-eaten things, but you can see like the almost that crusty singe pattern that would come. Um, and then with one of them, you can see some bone damage to the chest, to the rib cage. Um, so it looks as though they had been shot in this position where they were sitting. Looks like they were down here hiding. Look at the skeletons. They look like they're huddling together for comfort. And behind this cabinet where anybody coming down the stairs, if they weren't, if the stairs weren't closed up, wouldn't be able to see them. But, but look right here. You can see there's, I'm, I'm guessing it's a bullet hole. 
right? And you see others here, and you'll notice if I lift the, the robe a little that there's bone damage right there to the rib and, and the sternum. It looks like they were huddled down here scared for their lives, and then somebody shot them. Maybe in the raid they came down here. Maybe. I'm thinking they came down here, hid, then somebody came down, shot them. That person must have gone up, back upstairs, and then the place was sealed off. Jasper, give me a firearms roll. Don't you lose one of your D10s? Oh. <laughs> Just made its way to the back somehow. 17... Compared to a 40, that's a hard success. Okay. You can base, you can judge by the size of the holes um, and the spread pattern, basically, that this would have been a shotgun blast at nearly point-blank range that managed to hit both of them square in the chest, and they most likely either bled out or died on impact because it was so, it would have been, it's a very close, tight pattern. So I understand, according to our research, that there's some... Kind of a shootout between the cultist and the police, but this seems particularly brutal even to the police. I don't know that... Uh, <coughs> Might have been some locals involved, you know. Can I do... Missing children and all, they probably may have gone a little vigilante on this. Can I do a law to... So, I want to suss out in my brain if it's common for police in this era to carry shotguns. Okay. Because it seems more like a handgun and rifle kind of... I gotcha, I gotcha. Go ahead and make the law roll. I did not make that. Can I make a history roll on the same topic? Yeah, you certainly can. That is a regular success. Okay. Um, so you know that it's not common for police officers to carry shotguns. However, you do know that there is, you know, circumstances where they would have been used, especially in <coughs> large man operations, um, riots, riots and things like that, because they would have had all hands on deck. It doesn't prove the theory that it's police, but it doesn't discount the theory that it could have been the police. You understand that it's possible. I'm going to take a step back, whip out my camera and take a picture of the bodies. Okay, certainly. Okay. <clears throat> That's flash. I assume so. Yeah. So when the flash That would have been a good way to look down in the hole. Camera flash? Back in the day, the old camera flashes were a little more complicated. Um, but you did use a flash. I did on this one, yes. So when the flash goes off, you both um, feel a sharp pain in your head, followed by a bit of a throbbing, and then some tingling, and then it subsides. Throbbing, tingling head. Ow. <laughs> Doc. 
Do you feel that? <clears throat> I did. I think it's just our eyes so used to the dark. The blast of light there just, uh, on the optic nerves. You know, there's a large connection back to the brain area there. and Yeah. Probably just it was shock to the eyes, I think. Yeah. You're both Maybe. relatively satisfied that it was probably just the shock to the eyes. Mm-hmm. Have we lit up those candles yet? The stubby tuna can candles? The no. earthy candles? No, you didn't. But you're welcome to. Let's uh, start lighting them. Is there anything on the floor besides debris? I moved the debris out of the way. So I, I've got some, some occult. Yep, I got some occult. My background is that I'm very interested in this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and unseen worlds all around us and everything. So I'm starting to think, hey, every book I've ever seen, these cults, they always drew pentagrams and stuff on the floor. So okay. I want to start looking at the floor, maybe move, pushing some of the debris out of the way to see is there evidence of any kind of ceremonial ceremonial stuff like that. Okay. Make me the spot hidden. Spot hidden. It'd be a 97. Yeah. Uh, you're pretty sure it's just debris and mold and mildew. I'm going to poke through the debris. Okay. 32 on a 50. Okay. Uh, so you're able to move some more debris. You're working in a different area of the floor, and you do happen to find a streak of red across the floor. You would have to continue um, digging up to see if you could figure out what it was or maybe investigate it more closely. It's directly in front of the cabinet. Does it look like it's going to the dead people? No. Can I open the cabinet? Certainly. Um, So in the cabinet you find long since molded, mildewed, and nearly destroyed uh, church records. Large manila folder boxes stuffed full of different records. As you try to pick up a piece of paper, it crumples and just falls apart under your hand, completely hey, destroyed. Hey, Doc, come check this out. I'm going to oh. point to the records uh, and so step back. Careful, saying that all of that the humidity down here has not been, been good for these... Uh, things. So I got archaeology, and I want to know if there's a way I can use that archaeology skill to carefully assess this stuff and maybe get some information without damaging. Certainly. Good. Make it. Do it. Kill it. 35 is a regular success. Oh. Um, you can tell most of these boxes are going to be beyond repair. The boxes themselves are sagging with water damage and stained and um, rodent or, you know, bugs and things like that. They are, for the most part, completely gone. The few areas where you see that you could handle them safely, you find things like receipts, uh for paying their taxes or tithes or any number of things, a uh, pretty much clerical business in most of it. Uh, nothing of any. Aren't all churches clerical businesses? That's very true. <laughs> yes, uh, but you know, you don't find anything remiss in the boxes. Anything else in this cabinet besides the boxes? Well, make me a spot hidden. The night of spot hiddens. 
Uh, I'm going to spend one point and make that a hard success. Mm, okay. That's the way I roll. That's how we roll. You need a pencil? I have one. I'm just going to use a pen. Okay. It's a one shot. Easy one shot. Yeah. Um, so as you're peering around the cabinet, um, there's multiple shelves, you know, you peek up and look at the top, and then you go through, and you get down to where you're looking at the bottom shelf, and you've got to crouch over quite a bit, and something kind of catches your eye under the cabinet. Something looks like maybe gold filigree up under the cabinet. And I found something down here. Let me see if I can fish it out. Certainly. Um, as you reach under, you're able to feel two separate books. Books, you say? Books. I would like to remove the books. Okay. The first one that you pull out looks to be a um, very musty old journal. Um, it starts to fall to pieces as you touch it, but it's still, like, it's not crumbling, but the pages are falling out. The binding is coming undone. Um, you do manage on some of the pages to see a couple words here and there, nothing too impressive. Though you do notice on one of the pages the name Walter Corbett. And further down, after some staining and some water things, you see um, in accordance with his, and then you can't quite read it, and says, um, buried under his house, a couple things you can't read, and then it says, per the wishes of the one who waits in the dark. So there's some pieces missing in that sentence, mm -hmm. but that's the general flow. Mr. Neesmith. Yeah. Look, I believe I found a journal, and it speaks of the Mr. Corbett that uh, was the owner of the house that we're going to investigate for haunting. Uh, you remember we found from records that uh, he had named this church the executor of his will, and then that was contested in court because he tried to have himself buried in the house. Yeah. Well, they seem to be talking about it. There's not a lot here, but you can clearly say Mr. Corbett. And, and then it says, buried under the house. Maybe maybe they actually got him buried under the house, sneakily. I don't know. but Maybe. Maybe we should try digging under the house. I think we should definitely search the basement when we get to the house and see what's down there. There's another book, though. As you try to pull out the other book, you feel it. Um, as you pull it, you feel kind of the back end. It's called Naughty Nuns. All the pages are stuck together. Yeah. As you pull it, you feel the back end kind of thump as if the back side of it was sitting on top of something. And as you pulled it, it kind of and kept coming. Um, this is a very large volume that's handwritten in Latin. Um, but it is very rotten and worm-eaten, um, and whole sections are just completely destroyed. But if you know Latin, you're welcome to make a roll. I like how we both immediately, like, Latin? beeline to the Do character sheet. Do I have the sheet. Latin? I have 50% in Latin. Okay. Well, that is actually an automatic uh, success. You need a 50 or better, or you can roll for it if you have less. So you're able to read it. You don't have to roll. I know. I like that mechanic. Like that. I'm going to build that into some I, other things. I saw that, and I thought that was a great mechanic, because it's like, if I have a 90% in this language, why should I have to roll for it? But um, making a cursory look, you can see it is about the occult. Cursory, by the way, is root word curso, which is Latin. Oh, Not many people cool. know that. Uh, you can tell that I it's about that the occult. 
Um, but if you wanted to read through and actually like retain anything, you can tell that you would probably need to dedicate about three hours to reading this, what is left of this book in whole. I'd rather do it up in the main church, not down here in whole. In the whole. Hmm, I'm very interested in this book, but uh, I, how, I, do you think we have the time for me to? Well, I'm being silly. I'm going to put it into my pat, my satchel or something. Okay, you very delicately like wrap it up in you know something and set it into your satchel, trying to be very delicate with it. It is still falling apart, but the sections that are good to read seem to be holding up well enough for travel, as long as you're careful. I'm forgetting. Are we on some sort of deadline on this one? Not particularly, no. About eight o'clock. But I'm I'm feeling a little uneasy. But oh, when I was pulling this book out, it was as if the back end of it was perched on something. You know, I pulled it and thump. Yeah, I'm gonna get down on my belly and like reach up underneath the cabinet and try to find what it was on. Certainly, in my mind, based on what I felt and heard. I'm picturing like a little cigar box or something back there, and so I'm kind of trying to find it. Okay. So as you reach back, uh, you do feel something um, kind of soft that's back there that could be, I mean, it's it's movable. It's not stuck to anything, so you're welcome to pull it out. I'm going to pull it out. It's like a dead right, and I have to roll a sanity check. Is it pee? You have to Google that. I'm going to pull out the small, soft object. Okay. Um, as you pull it out, you realize that what you were holding on to was actually um, the dress of a small porcelain doll. It is very weathered, and the hair is still there, and you know that at this current time, hair is usually real on those dolls, um, fashioned after the children who the dolls are made for. It's got beautiful onyx curly hair um, and a little very worn choker around the neck that says Lucy. But you can also see that the face is covered in blood. The face of the doll. The face of the doll. Is Does it look like the face was painted to have blood covering on it or? Splattered. And I'd like you to make a sanity check. Both? No. Just you. That's a success. 43 against a 50. Okay. So you're able to rationalize that there are tons of reasons why a small child's doll covered in blood would be underneath the cabinet of a cultist's church. And you're perfectly okay with it. This doll down here... I Small child's doll probably belonged to some young lad, last name Lucy. There should be some blood splatter here. I'm sure this this doll has been under here since probably before the cult even owned this church. But I'd be surmising that uh, when the two skeletons there met their untimely demise to a shotgun, there was some splatter that uh, got underneath the cabinet that they were hiding behind. So. Definitely, definitely. Can I check and see if it looks like the doll was used as a bludgeoning object. You want to search it more carefully? Go ahead and make a spot hidden. 
23, that's a, a hard success. Okay. Um, no, you can tell that it was not used as like a bludgeoning object. Um, the porcelain of the face would have cracked under that kind of pressure. What you do manage to find is that embedded in the neck of the doll, which is a softer cloth, is a small child's fingernail. Make a sanity roll. Made it. 21. You also think it's perfectly reasonable that a small child dislodged their own fingernail in their doll and left it underneath the cultist church. I think actually... You guys are really reasonable guys. We were prepared for some weird stuff to... Yeah. Can't shake you guys. Okay. I am concerned, right? The newspaper and police records that we found said that the basis upon which the police... Uh, brought their raid upon here was that there were affidavits from people in the neighborhood suspecting that the cult was responsible for the disappearance of some children. So this may be evidence of that fact. I feel like we should probably, I'm sure it's an old case that's been closed, but this probably needs to go to the police at some point. Might be worthwhile. Maybe we just leave it somewhere and let them know to come here and get it. Yes, I think I'll just set it lightly on top of one of the sturdier boxes in the cabinet. Okay. Um, and make a note in my journal that says, afterwards we need to tell the police that uh, additional evidence relating to the shootout of the, of the, at the chapel was there. Two dead bodies. John's <clears throat> door. Certainly. Okay, so you're able to stash that away, close the cabinet, and you are left in the basement of the Chapel of Contemplation. What would you like to do? I feel like I've had my fill of this basement. Same guy. Same. Let's get on out of here. Give me a boost. Sure. After traversing it down, you find little to no problem of getting yourself back up. Between the two of you, you're able to do that. Um, your expert climbing uh, skills, Dr. Bigby. It definitely saved Jasper from falling again. So when we're, we're topside again, I want to go to that corner of the church. And, I, and I'm just trying to figure out was just a bunch of debris blocks and whatever, like poured over the opening to downstairs, like you know, just piled in there. Or if, like concrete was poured or something like that to seal that. Would you? So... You do go over there, you have to move some debris out of the way. What you do see is um, what looks like an insert of stone was placed there and then sealed up and um, almost painted or carved to look like the rest of the wall And because there's a small strip of stone along the floor and then the rest is, is wood, but it's kind of made to look to blend into that stonework around the edge. <laughs> Doesn't appear removable, like it was a hidden door or no. a trap door. This was like to seal that opening. Correct. So you ready to mosey on? Yeah. Yeah. I think the police or the people around here were... Scared or suspicious of what might be in that basement to seal it off like that. Without even searching it well, they would have found those bodies. Unless, of course, 
police went down there, shot those bodies, and then came up and then sealed it up. I don't imagine the police would have left them down there. There's got to have been a ton of paperwork that they would have had to do just for shooting somebody. But Which may have been why they left it down there. Maybe. I don't know. It's, a, it's an enigma upon a mystery. So, you ready to go? Yeah. Hey, where would you like to go? We're going to head to the corporate house. Okay. Right? Um, That's where we're headed? I think so. Yeah, you, It's you, been like three weeks. So, so you, you've already gone to the Hall of Records, the library, the police department. Right, we did all the research in city we could. We and we got out here to the suburb and realized with a very small detour, we could check out the church on our way to the house that we were hired to go check out. So I feel like we've done our due diligence and all of the, uh, the homework we needed to do. Now we need to go do the real job. Yeah. Unless you wanted to uh, look around in that book. So we came here in a cab, right? Yes. Um, the cab's waiting. You paid him to stay. Right. But it's a little bit of a walk. A little bit, back yeah. to Up him. to the edge of the street. Um, I think in the cab ride, I'll, I'll start perusing. Okay. Might give us some ideas to what their aims were, even if it's a bunch of hokum. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you guys return to the cab driver, who it seems nervous, um, having had to sit there in an area of town that he's not particularly happy with. Um, but as you get back to the cab, he's like, oh, okay. glad you're back. Uh, you guys ready to go? Yes. Okay. Uh, where can I uh, take you? I give him the address of the haunted house. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's not too far from here. So uh, I'll get you right on your way and let you guys get in. Takes a look at you because you guys have gotten rather dirty from charging, but, you know, he strugs it off and, and takes off. Um. After it's about a ten minute drive, it's not too far. Um, during that time, <coughs> you're only really able to get through the first page or two, um, and most of that is like overly saturated pomp and circumstance. You know, here to therefore, very little of substance uh, in those first few pages. You you realize that you are going to need to sit down, at, you know, and really spend the time to really get any meat and bones out of this kind of book. Um, and it's going to take you some time. So, uh, but you're able to see that, you know, you are able to read it in certain sections. So. Okay. Um, after the drive, uh, you arrive in a neighborhood that um, used to be a residential neighborhood, but most of the people who lived there before the Great War um, have either moved away or died. Um, new offices and businesses have replaced all the 19th century homes. And the house in question, Mr. Corbett's home, is the only one left on the block. The yard is extremely overgrown um, and is the only private residence. It's, it's surrounded by these, you know, taller, more industrial buildings, kind of shading it from sunlight. Um, and the foliage that has grown are, are the creepy sort of um, invasive species, things that, you know, you just can't stop growing without digging up the whole thing. Um, you see... People coming in and out of offices in these buildings. You see a newspaper vendor down the way with a cart. Um, otherwise, it's a pretty standard street aside from the one creepy overgrown house in the middle. 
that one house in a big business district where the owner refused to sell to the fat cat corporations. Yeah. I think the old man from Up. So, what would you like to do? And get out of the cab. You successfully get out of the cab. Go step onto the sidewalk. You did not successfully step on the sidewalk. Roll <laughs> six for damage. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. So you're uh, on the sidewalk. The pay the cab driver. He say, hey, "Do y'all need anything else, sir? I get to go." This is a fairly well versed area. There's there's cabs. You don't need to hold. Yeah. Um. I pay him. Give him a little bit of a tip for the wait. Yeah. And he thanks you for your business and heads on off down the street to find his next fare. Well. Jasper, there's the house. I'm given a key by the landlord. Hmm. Artie Wilmot? Nope, he was the editor of the Globe. Don Knotts. Don Knotts, that's right. Um, Don Knott, I think it's not. Oh, yeah. I think that was the whole thing. Yeah. So, shall we? All right, so you guys are in front of the corporate house. Like I said, there's office buildings, there's a newspaper vendor down the corner, and people going about their businessy days. Okay, so I got a question. Is it like I have? So I'm picturing like this brownstone house, you know, the squish between big buildings. Does it have a little like a little front yard? Is the grass overgrown? Is it weedy? It is overgrown. You can see the remnants of a a stone path leading from the sidewalk up to the house. It is incredibly overgrown, um, but still traversable. Does it have a mailbox at the road or like a mail slit in the door? Mail slit in the door. Okay. No. Um, No. (laughs) Do not. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) We do not make comments about. Don't do it. Um. So hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a few steps right over there. I, I wanna I wanna talk to the newspaper vendor. Okay. So I'm gonna hey, excuse me, sir. Are you are you always on this this uh, corner? Oh yeah, what can I get for you? I got uh, I got your newspapers. I got your cigars. And if you're looking for something a little spicy, I keep a special stats behind the the cart here. Some of those private publications. Oh, uh, right. Um, no, I, I won't be needing any private... Uh, I, I will buy a paper from you, though. Um, oh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Dooley, by the way. Jim. Jim Dooley. Nice to meet you. I am Dr. Professor Terrence Bigby. All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, nice to meet you, Terrence. Uh, uh, so, yeah, here's your paper. Um, and you, anything for you, sir? You look like you might like the spicier side of life. No, I'm I'm good. Oh, well, you know, teach his own, you know. Don't want to get in the way of your, your lifestyle. I'm very accepting. Uh, right. Sir, I, I just wonder, how long have you been selling, you know, newspapers here on, on this corner? It's, it's, it's a lovely stand you have here. Oh, I'm happy you asked. See, this used to be my dad's stand way back in the day. So a dually has been on this corner for oh, 20 years back when it was houses. Duly noted. Huh. That's quite the pun you got there, Biggs. I like it. Hey, so, Dooley, can I call you Dooley? It just seems to fit. I imagine your friends just call you Dooley. They huh? do. They call me Dooley. They do. They do. Dooley do. Dooley. 
and a dually has been on this corner for ages. What can you tell me about this fabulous house down here that seems to have withstood the test of time and fought back the scourge of corporate America? Ah, you're talking about the Corbett house. Yeah, it's a it's a remnant of the past. I tell you, it just straight out of the past. Uh, it, it's got a bit of a murky history, I gotta say. It's it's nobody's living there now, as you can see. Nobody's taking care of the yard. Absolute mess. Uh, but uh, you know, way back in the day, there was lots of people who stayed there. Tenants back and forth and back and forth, in and out constantly. It felt like. Uh, last time I think I saw somebody living there. Ooh, that would have been uh, the the Macario family. Nice, nice family. Little boys, little rambunctious, but they always come by get their dad's paper in the morning. That came out a little Irish there at the end. I apologize. Uh, morning, right, yeah. top of the morning to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing this uh, this voice anyway. So, um, yeah, so you know, funny that that's exactly why we're here. The 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 landlord, Mister Knott. Have you ever met Mister Knott? He's the owner of the property. Ah, uh, yeah, stuffy or at least looking he guy. Manages, yeah, that's yeah. The guy. He come. He used to come and go a lot. I see him a little less now. Looks like the kind of guy. Like if he carried a gun, he'd have one bullet that he carried in his pocket instead of the gun. Yeah, he was always good for a cigar, but never a paper. I never understood that. Why you wouldn't want to know the news? Like, you got to know what's happening in the world. But yeah, yeah, he used to come and go a little less nowadays, especially because there's no tenants. Obviously, he's not taking care of the property. Right, so so he's he's hired us to to come and check out the property. There's been some, uh, I don't know, worries, complaints from previous tenants. Oh, yeah, uh, that nobody ever bonkers. stayed there long, did they? Yeah, it's bonkers over there. Uh, the Macario family, uh, like a year after moving in, the dad, Vitaro, Vitaro, I, I don't know how to say it, Mr. Macaro. He he had like some kind of accident and went crazy. Like he had to be hauled off. Like it was it, it was intense. Uh, and then and then shortly after that, his wife kind of went cuckoo and they had to send the kids off to Baltimore to live with some family members. It was so sad. So, between you and your father, watching the comings and the goings, I mean, is, is there a theory about this house? And I mean, is it just coincidence and bad luck, or well, do, do, I, I've heard the word haunting thrown about, and I figure, hey, you guys have been here forever. You, you would know if there's some local mythology around that. I mean, I don't know about no haunting, but I do know, like, after Mr. Corbett, I don't know from haunting. I don't know from haunting. Uh, after Mr. Corbett left, everything just seemed to kept going downhill. Every family in and out of there just kept having problem after problem. I remember Mr. Macario shortly before they sent him away to Roxbury, God rest his soul. I don't actually know if he's dead. But, uh, you know, he was talking about a burning man or something like that. And I ain't never heard of no burning man. But, uh, you know, he, he was talking about that. And Mrs. Macario, she went that way too and talking about glowing red eyes and the kids having nightmares like it, it was crazy but i do know that after mr corbett took his only you know leave of this earth this mortal plane god rest his soul and actually he left the house in not a good state you know just every family seems to have misfortune i wouldn't buy that property if, if y'all heard to buy i wouldn't buy just it needs to be sold off to the investors let them build it down and build a nice apartment complex or something for all these businesses so your family is around long enough that you you know of the times when Mr. Corbett was here. It got a little uh, anxious around the neighborhood, didn't it? There was, like the neighbors tried to 
get him forcibly moved because of weirdness and strange things going on? Oh, what, yeah. What See, my, my dad was over the, the stand back then, but he used to tell me that the neighbors would all get together and have these meetings, and they tried to, like, sue him to get him to leave. It was crazy. I've never heard that you could sue your neighbors because you didn't like them. I mean, if that was the case, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'd have had a lot better neighbors. But, uh, yeah, they was trying to get him to go because he was kind of off his rocker, but, like, not in a Mr. Macario way, more in, like, a Mr. Jekyll kind of way. I don't know. But, uh I, I just know that after he died, nothing gone right over on that lot. I say. Did you know that that when he died, he actually had it in his will that he wanted to be buried in the house? Yeah, I, d- I did hear about that when they said that because they sued to try to get the, the rights to do it. And I don't think they ever came up with a a, a verdict on that case. I think, they, I think it just kind of got put on hold and never finished before the guy died. So I don't think they ever figured out. One way or the other, if he was going to be buried down there. Huh. Quite interesting. Actually, I don't know where he was buried. I don't remember there being any funeral services or nothing. I got the impression he wasn't well liked in the neighborhood, so. No. Not like that would have been a big drawing event. Well, yeah, but it's a personal hobby to read the obituaries, being that I work in the news. You always look out for the people that you know, see who's still around, you know, and I don't recall having seen anything about his services or nothing. Hmm. Oh. But uh, yeah, you got some customers behind you, so I appreciate your business. Have a great day, but I, I really need to take care of Miss uh, Miss Jensen back here. Come on, Miss Jensen, I've got your cigars. It's great to meet you, Dooley. Thank you. You too. And he goes about handing off a pack of cigars to a little old lady um, who who reeks of cigars, who obviously has like a multiple cigar a day habit. Little tiny four foot nine lady. We should talk to her. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that to you because I don't want to in any way uh, draw away from the the brilliance that was the Dooley NPC. <laughs> that was really good. Maybe my new favorite NPC. Maybe. But don't let my wife know. Okay. Darren's. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So back to the house. Just like the house. half a block down the road, right? Yeah. Not very far at all. You can still see it from where you're standing. Um, so the brick building of the house is overshadowed by taller, newer office buildings on either side. Um, the house fronts to the street, um, so not off to the side. You know, the front door faces directly to the street. Um, there are overgrown plantings in shrubbery beds and things like that, um, and a half-collapsed arbor. Um, you can see that there is somewhat of a access if you really want to trudge through it to go around the side of the house to access backside in the backyard of the house, but it would, you know, require having to kind of sift through the overgrowth. <clears throat> um, you seem almost a little, you know, impressed with the fact that this house almost kind of like withdraws into the shadow caused by the two buildings. Um, it seems to like almost kind of come in on itself as it kind of recoils back into this darkness away from the the street. It's almost like if you were walking down the street, you might not even notice that the house is there because it has become so cramped and kind of reserved from the street. But definitely standing directly in front of it, you can see it. But it definitely has a kind of shadowy presence to it. So if there was a for sale sign out front, the Order of the Phoenix would be like, that's our place. That's our place. (laughs) Yeah. Great hideout. All right, um, so we're going to start to walk up the overgrown, broken stone pathway to the front porch. Yeah. 
keeping an eye out for cats and cuts of meat. Cats and bush steaks. Okay. Uh, so as you approach the front of the house, um, you can step up onto the porch. The porch is still secure, but rickety, chipped, painted, and beginning to um, splinter in areas, but still standing. You can see that there is what appears to be a single lock on the handle. However, there are four newer deadbolts that have been um, affixed to the door. These are very new. Still bright and shiny, not scuffed. Four deadbolts. Four. Like a New York City apartment in any tropey uh, sitcom. Yeah. All the way down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Going to take a general look at the porch here. Um, any parcels wrapped up in butcher paper or anything like that? No, there doesn't seem to be any par- uh, parcels, packages, um, anywhere. There's maybe a few bits of trash that have blown up from the street. Maybe, uh, you know. An old kid's balls tucked away into the overgrowth of the bush, but nothing of note. Okay. Well, Jasper, I believe you're holding the keys. I'll unlock the door and go in. Okay. So as you um, enter in the house, you can see that there is um, a long hallway from the front door with rooms on either side, ending in a staircase going up and down. Start up going up, go down at the end. Okay. Do you want to do any? <laughs> it's always something. Uh, so there are multiple rooms on this first floor. There seems to be five doors leading out of this hallway. What about the stairs going up? Mm, the stairs go up and to and do like a half turn at a landing. Let's go up the stairs. Start at the top and then search our way down. I like that. So upstairs, you find a similar um, setup. There's a long hallway, but there's only rooms on one side. The other side has windows looking out onto the side of the yard. Um, So basically, look out the window and four feet later is the side of a building. Yeah. Um, There are four doors on the side. Three that are kind of directly in front of you, and one that is kind of a smaller closet-looking thing just off the side of the stairs. Well, following your lead, I think we should go all the way down to the end of the hall, check that one, and then work our way back towards the stairs. Sounds good. Okay. So the first um, room that you enter in, that last one on the hall... It seems to be just an ordinary bedroom with a double bed, bookshelf, and a window um, looking out. Um, This would appear to you to be the master bedroom, judging by the bed and some of the furnishings and things like that. Um, Notably, the room is covered with um, crosses and depictions of religious figures, candles, rosary beads, uh, a bereavement table off to the side of the bed, you know, where you can kneel and take your prayers for the evening. Um, so a lot of religious affiliations in this room. So it's furnished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd just like to check out the, the dresser. I'm, I'm suspecting I'm going to find it 
in empty. Like whoever used to live here, all their stuff is gone, and the, the furnishings in here belong with the house, and he rents it out as a furnished house. But I want to verify. Yeah. So as you open it, uh, you do find that it's mostly empty. There's a bit of here and there, you know, like an old uh, like potpourri bag or something, you know, like you would find in like a chest of drawers. Um, maybe a stray shirt or tie, but nothing, no major clothing. It looks like most of the clothes were cleared out. Mm-hmm. So Jasper, it's, it's, it's not uncommon for people who are experiencing what they believe to be otherworldly spirits or hauntings to kind of go overboard on the religious iconography. You'll notice that there's beads and multiple depictions of Christianity, the cross and everything. Uh, just think we we eventually owe Mr. Not a, a full report. Should you maybe take some pictures of all of this? Sure. I'll step back and take some pictures around. While I'm doing it, I'm going to be like, are you sure all of this is Christian? Hmm. I'm going to take a closer look at, at stuff for you. Certainly. So give me either a general spot hidden or if you have some other skill that you could uh, place this, maybe anthropology. um, Or you could probably do just a general knowledge check, being that you're a well-educated man. Or history. Mm -hmm. I think I'll do history if you don't mind. I do not mind. Bring it. Tis a fail. Okay. Um... So you're left with the general impression that it's probably all Christian. Hey, there's some variances that you find just, you know, from region to region. Um, some folks do their crosses this way or that way, but generally it's the Christian cross, and this is a depiction of of uh, Moses baptizing, not Moses, uh, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus and and uh, your standard Catholic rosary there. <clears throat> All right. Um, what's on the bookshelf? The bookshelf is bare. Been in a bookshelf out of bear? Yeah. That's awesome. Going to lean it forward and take a peek behind it. Okay. Um, give me a strength roll. Pass 61. Okay. So you're able to kind of lean the top of it back. Enough. 61. Jasper's a buff kind of guy, isn't he? 80. Damn. Damn. Okay. So when we go in the next room, I'm following you in. Right. <laughs> Bodyguard. Um, so you're able to kind of tip the top of the bookshelf back and kind of look behind it. Um, behind it, you find three more crosses that are secured to the wall. Um, they look like they would have had like a screw at the top and the bottom of the cross. Um, but the top screw has come out. And so all three of the crosses are now hanging inverted. Take a picture of this. This is, you know, in a cult world that has a symbology of, of evil or of, of Satan. It could be that it's just, Coincidental that all of the top nails came out, but um, take a picture first, and then if you don't mind, I'm going to write these, revert them from the inversion that they are currently in. 
I'll take a picture and then I would like to take a closer look at the pictures with a knowledge roll or a knowledge roll. <laughs> okay. So you take your picture, no problem. You want to look at the pictures around the room or the crosses? The pictures. Okay. So we'll do that in just a minute. You wanted to write the crosses and kind of reattach them? Okay. Yeah. Um, how are you going to secure the top back to the wall? So back in the 1920s, I don't think drywall was a thing, right? I think yeah, all the walls were like wooden flat. slats and then plaster mm -hmm. put over them. So what I was hoping is like I could take the nail that is at the bottom of it and just kind of wiggle it out of the wall and then use it as a push pin to yeah. go into the hole that was in the wall for the original. Very smart. I like it. Um, so you're able to... On the first one, kind of use it as leverage to kind of pry the nail out and put the nail back in. Um, <clears throat> as you're doing the second one, um, you hear a loud bang come from somewhere in the house. Almost like a door slamming. Or yeah, so a I'm going to jump back. Could be completely normal, but because I was dealing with inverted crosses and my preoccupation with the occult and whatnot, that was just a, the wrong time for. Yeah, a random wind to shut a door. Yeah, it's it was it was scary, spooky. Jasper, did you lock the the front door behind us? Jasper, you didn't hear the door slam. No. The the, the I just heard the door slam, and I thought that. Maybe somebody had followed us in. Perhaps it was the wind closing the door behind us. I came in first, so I would have had to double back around you to shut it. Did you not shut the door? Um, I really don't recall, but I mean, should we check out that door slamming that just happened? I didn't hear any door slamming. It was quite loud. Apparently not. But you checking out the pictures, yes? Okay. So you see several depictions of, like, the Virgin Mary and um, different um, iconography of Christian... Moses baptizing Moses Jesus. Moses baptizing <laughs> Jesus, definitely. Um, things of that nature, you know, doves and chalices, that kind of stuff. Um, if you'd like to take a closer look, uh, I would need a spot hidden. I will take a closer look. While he's doing that, I'm going to go back to writing the cross. The hard. The hard success. Um, okay. So you do a, a kind of a cursory look around the room, and then you kind of return back to one that caught your eye, and it's a picture of the Virgin Mary um, holding little baby Jesus, little seven-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. And as you're kind of taking in this picture, you see from the Virgin Mary's eyes blood start coming from her tear ducts. Um, but it's not blood in the painting, it's blood on the painting. So make me a sanity roll, please. Do it. That is a 90. Okay. So you take one point of sanity damage. 
and tell me what you do. How do you react to this sudden visage of the crying blood Virgin Mary? I'm gonna sort of unwillingly throw my arm over and it's going to hit Biggs and since my strength score is so high he's going to be like ow why'd you punch me but it wasn't meant as a punch it was just a surprised yeah grabbing his shoulder yeah so you kind of rear back very carefully and go to kind of reach for him and inadvertently kind of just like contact forearm to his shoulder um because you know he just turns around and just like kind of clocks you. It's not hard enough to like cause damage, but it's like shit, man. Like it's, I say, man, what what was the meaning of that? Look, the painting, the painting. Yeah, this is the Virgin Mary holding what looks to be about a seven pound, five ounce baby do you, Jesus, do you not which see is a blood? really good size because you could tell that's healthy enough, but not overly laborious. You don't see the blood. Okay. Just in your normal painting. In fact, this is really just a print. You, you'll find this in houses and church annexes all over the Northeast. As you turn back to point out the blood to him, you realize it's gone. You're not sure if maybe you just imagined it or if it was a trick of the light, but there seems to be nothing there now. No staining, no drips of blood. Is there a wastebasket in this room? Sure. I'm going to pull the painting off and light it on fire in the wastebasket. Okay. So you remove the painting from Good the wall. God, man, <clears throat> what are you doing? And throw it in the wastebasket and light a match from your pocket and throw it in. And as uh, it starts to burn, you feel the whole house tremble. You both do. As if there were an earthquake happening outside the whole house and the room begins to, the different things start to shake. All of the crosses that you have righted come completely out the wall and clatter to the floor. Um, multiple pictures begin to fall off. The bed is even kind of jittering to one side as the Virgin Mary burns in the, tra the trash can. It's a very straight and sinister, I have to say. Yeah. We might want to clean that up a little bit on post. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I'm pulling out my notebook and furiously taking notes. Now, I am kind of scared, but... More fascinated than scared. Like, yeah. you know, I've been hunting for an opportunity like this where I'm not just reading about other people experiencing these things, but I'm actually getting to experience some supernatural shit. <clears throat> why did I don't know why you, you just burned that print, but I had to go, man. <laughs> uh, did you feel that the house tremble? I did. And the the crosses just, like, flew off the freaking wall? Okay. Noted by two <laughs> investigators. Um, verifying my initial thoughts. You know, I'm making note that it wasn't just, I think I saw something. We've got two independent two eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses. To, the, to this supernatural event. Yeah. And as soon as, you know, the, the shaking started... It passed. It was a very momentary thing, but it did cause quite a bit of damage to the room. Now you've got like dust flakes in the air that have kind of been shook loose. Let's uh go ahead and finish up in here. Oh, I think I'm done. I'd rather have those crosses laying on the floor than 
trying to put them back up on the wall and watching them invert again. Okay. Let's go to the next room. Okay. So the next room seems to be a child's bedroom or children's bedroom. Uh, It contains two small beds, toys that have been left astray. Not very many, just a couple here and there. Um, And two dressers, two small dressers. There are pictures of airplanes and cowboys. Um, You know, typical furnishings for a children's room. One or two toys scattered about the floor in various places. So looking at the... uh the decorations in the room, the one or two toys, uh, checking out the dressers as well, see if there's any remaining clothes. Can I determine or, or, or make a guess as to the the gender of the children that were living in this room? If these children follow what you would supposed to be societal norms for, for toys, you would assume that this is the furnishings of the two Macario boys because you know that they have two boys. No daughters? No daughters. Two boys. Yep. Um, otherwise, the room's fairly empty. Looking through the dressers, a wayward sock here and there. But it looks like most of the clothes have been cleared out. Next room? Next, Next room. room. Next room. So this room uh, contains a bed frame with a bare bed spring and a dresser. Although unused, this room looks a lot like the other two rooms, but it's not furnished or decorated in any particular fashion. It's very barren. Are there closets in these rooms? There are not. Um, like armoires or freestanding have, wardrobes? Or there's the dressers. Dressers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Going to do a quick look around the room. For oddities, and you know, my barometer for oddities is considerably different than it was when we walked in the house. I'm now basing it upon the master bedroom. Right? Master. So, so you walk over um, through the room. You go over to the windowsill, and you see some kind of strange markings on the windowsill. Okay. Um, do I recognize the markings or the types of markings? Can I make an occult roll? You can make an occult roll. Don't fail me. Nah, not anyone. It failed you. Um, no, you don't notice anything particularly occult about them. They look very randomized, almost. And are these markings like painted or drawn on there, or carved. is it like carved into the wood of the sill? Yes. Does it look like... You know, like an eight-year-old kid with his first pocket knife type of carving? Or does it look more like an adult, you know, straighter lines, more uniformity of sizing, you know? So for that, I would need a spot hidden to look for those kind of minutia details. Minute. Minutia. Minute. Nine. That is an extreme success. Uh, as you're looking at the windowsill, you can tell that these uh, carvings were caused by fingernails, judging by the bits of blood and severed tissue and fingernails that are still stuck in some of the... All right, so I'm going to call Jasper over to look at this, but as uh, as he's coming over, now I am paying particular attention. Is this just random patterns that a scratching would have made, 
or did these fingernail scratchings attempt to draw out patterns or um they don't seem pictographs, to have, sigils, that kind of thing. They don't seem to have any pattern to them. They look as though feverish clawing at the window. Okay, now here's my next question. So like a window breaks and there's glass on the yard outside, you can figure that whatever's thrown through the window was thrown from the out inside out. And if the glass particles are on the inside, then the baseball came from the outside and broke the window. So can I tell by looking at these scratches, was the person that was making the scratching on the inside of the house or the outside of the house? You know, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Coming from this way or from that way? Um, you would need to make me some kind of role to be able to identify that kind of fact. That is fair. Um, I'm going to suggest that maybe... Um, first aid is a stretch. I would take it. Failing that natural world. I would take either. Um, honestly, I would prefer to use the first aid. I can see that because you're looking for the medical signs of where the skin is tearing and what direction on the. I'm with it. I take it. That is good by one point forty nine yeah. against a fifty. Best you can tell, it looks like whoever made these was on the inside. Scratching at the windowsill. Window is it just on the windowsill or is it like on the frame around the window? It is only on the bottom, but there is some up onto the actual wood of the window, but less. Last question. I know I'm pushing You know how much I can get out of this. Can I tell by the size of the scratches? Am I probably looking at a child scratching at this wood or an adult? I don't feel as though that you'd be able to tell. So, are you going to head over there with him? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Jasper, you head over to the window, and you guys are kind of talking over the um, the findings of the windowsill. When you both hear the door to the room slam shut. I trust you heard that slam. I did. As you both turn to look at the door, you see the door start to very violently, on its hinges, pulsate and shake as blood starts to trickle down the side of the walls around you. Make sanity rolls for me, please. Please. Miss that one, too. Well, that's a big fail. Okay, so you each take two points of sanity loss. And... are frozen in place for a moment as you watch... This blood began to pool on the floors and you know, seep into the boards and all this stuff, and the door is violently shaking. <clears throat> and as you're paralyzed there, you see the bed itself start to shake. The room isn't shaking, but the bed is now shaking. And then all of a sudden, the bed lurches up onto its front legs and starts slamming directly towards you. And he dodge rolls from both of you. Made it. Failed. Okay. So, Jasper, you're able to kind of come to at the last second and kind of lunge out of the way, landing in this kind of puddle of blood, but unharmed. 
You, however, are pinned against this window by this large bread frame. Bed frame. Bread frame. And <laughs> uh, you need to take 1d6 of damage. Which is a two. Okay. So it manages to pin you um, in a very uncomfortable position, doing you know some minor strain to maybe a shoulder, but nothing too severe. Jasper, help, help, help me. I've been pinned by the bed. I'll try to pull the bed off of him. Okay, make me a strength roll, please. 93. <laughs> <laughs> Against your 80 strength. What if I helped him by pushing up as he's pulling? Can okay. he roll it with a roll with bonus, bonus die? Nine. Nice. So you're able to, with you know the help of, of Biggs over here, grab the back bed frame and kind of haul it back off of him. Um, it comes clattering and slamming to the ground and then just very quickly shifts itself across the floor to slam back into the wall. And at that back exact to moment, its original position. Yes, in that moment, the blood disappears from the walls, the floor from you, and the door stops shaking and kind of just pops open and drifts. So as I see the bed start to be normal again, the blood disappear, I'm going to make a quick glance over to the windowsill. Are the scratches still there? No. I really thought the answer to that question was going to be yes. Look, Jasper, damn it. I was going to ask you to take pictures of these, but then the door slammed and now it's... But maybe we could recreate the circumstances which caused all this. Okay. And this time have your camera ready for the bed, the blood, the door, the scratches. I think I'd rather just finish up here and leave. Okay. It's, it's all very... One second. And just, just for my notes, you saw the blood pouring out of the walls and pulling in front of the door? Yes, I You did. saw the door shaking on its... In its frame? Yeah. The bed attacking me? Yeah. And the scratches on the window? Yeah. Okay, verified by so two independent witnesses. What would you like to do? I'm going to try to head out of this room. Okay. So you can head back out into the hallway. What are you going to do? I'm going to look at the bed for a minute. Because while I'm thrilled by all of this from an occult standpoint, I also remember that you know, our job here was to check this place out and verify. So I think I'm going to look real quick to see if there are wires or mechanisms that, you know, maybe there is a rational explanation for this and, you know, uh, it's old man Johnson and right. we're just those meddling kids. I got you. You want to Scooby-Doo it. Okay, so... Uh, you going to use spot hidden, or is there some other skill that you would like to use to ascertain? Um, I, I think spot hidden is okay. Go ahead. The with only spot thing hidden. I really got on this. That is a. I'm going to spend one point to make that an extreme success. Nice. So if there's something there. Okay. Um. So as best as you can tell. There are no wires, no mechanisms, no vats of fake blood, no triggers, no tripwires. It's a standard bed. So I'm going to start walking out of the room to follow him while writing 
walking out and, and calling out to him. Uh, Jasper, there were no uh, signs that this was uh, created as a prank or man-made. Thought you'd like to know. All right. All right, Jasper, you're in the hallway. There is a one final room that's just past the uh, stairwell, like on the backside of the stairwell. Did you want to go in there? Yeah. Okay, so you open it up and you find a bathroom containing a sink, a bathtub, and a water closet with an overhead tank. Um, towels and other possessions are still in here, typical to a family. Um, there's a brackish pool of water that is collected in the bathtub, uh, fed by a dripping faucet, which can't quite seem to be closed off all the way. I'm going to have a closer look around. Okay, make me a spot hidden. Six. Six. Nice. Is that extreme for you? Yes. Okay. So, you don't find anything really of note, um, but as you're searching the room and you're hearing Biggs out in the hallway kind of retelling the circumstances of what happened in the other room, you hear that the dripping faucet starts to speed up and then eventually turns into a gush of this brackish black green liquid pouring into this bathtub and then eventually begins to overflow onto the floor. Okay, I'm going to try to shut it off. Okay, so as you attempt to shut it off, um, there's a moment where the handles aren't quite giving and you give it that extra bit of nudge and you end up breaking off one of the handles, but as you do, the water completely stops and very, very quickly drains out of the tub. Gonna step back out in the hallway and say, Hey, Biggs, this tub in here just turned itself on. Oh, I was just closing my book up and about to, you know, look up and start to follow him in the room. When he says that, I'm like, oh, and I'm opening the book back up. <laughs> and I'd like to go into the bathroom as well, and I'm going to look around. Um, any evidence of the brackish water? It's all... Gone by the it's time all I gone. There's not even the standing pool anymore. You can tell that the bathtub um, was previously damp. Glistens a bit. It glistens a bit, but there's no standing water. There's no water on the floor. It seems to have all completely drained away. Okay. Um, I would like to put the lid down and stand on the commode. Okay. And reach up into the elevated reservoir. Okay, yeah. Um, because I know it's a common hiding place. And as I do this, I think, yeah, a lot of people hide bottles of liquor there, which is about the point that I remember, oh, I've got a flask on me. And so as I step up there, I remember all that, and I quickly pull the flask out, take a swig of uh, bootleg whiskey, hand the flask to uh, Jasper, or at least offer it to him, see if he'd like a drink. Now I'll take a swig, too. And while he's got the flask in his hand, I'm going to reach up and... Okay. Like... Right. Big around, flush around in there. Flush around in there, she said. Nice one. It was not intentional. Uh, It's okay. I still appreciate it. (laughs) As you kind of dig your hand around in there, you do make contact with something that's kind of moving, and you're able to pull it out. And it's a small, uh, like, matchbox car. Looks like a small child, you know, stuck it up there and uh, never managed to quite get it back out again. But it's very disgusting. Very nasty. Are there any towels or anything in this? Yes, there is. There are towels. So I'm going to kind of like wipe it off. You know, it's probably got some 
Just reservoir sludge, maybe yeah. a little rust. Uh, wipe it off. Oh. 1920. This is a this is a 1917 Ford Model R. Um, there's some question about what the R stood for because the A and the T models stood for nothing, but some historians claim it stands for Ramorian, oh, but they don't know the why. Ramorian. <laughs> so every campaign from now on has to have a Ramorian somewhere. All right, so you're able to clear it off just fine. You can pocket it if you'd like, or you can leave it at your choice. Um, but you find nothing else of note in the bathroom. I don't think I pocket it, and I don't think I leave it. I think I just hold the small thing in my hand, and it becomes like a fidget, like a worry bead yeah. or a fidget spinner or something for me, like maybe flipping my thumb across the, the wheels, and, and, and they spin as we walk around. So just nervous yeah. fiddling with it. Um, as you both exit the bathroom and you're standing at the top of the stairs waiting to come down, um, you hear this screaming coming from the lower levels, somewhere either on the main floor. I told you somebody got in. Um, but the screaming is not, it doesn't sound very human. It sounds very animalistic, almost like. Some kind of swine or a boar just screeching and screaming into... Husky at the groomers? Husky at the groomers, definitely. Husky at the groomers. I apologize, Jasper. I, obviously, I did left, leave the door open, and now we've allowed a cur to get in here. Um, As the screaming continues for a moment, it's very suddenly cut off with this almost gargle uh, quality to it. Um, and then there's just this dead ringing silence throughout the house. And that's where we're going to leave it this week. Real quickly, we got to the bottom of the stairs, and so we're back on the first level, or we, we're You're just at coming the top down. of the stairs. And that's where we're going to leave it this week, because we don't have time to start the next bit. Cool. <laughs> so we're going to finish it up there. Sweet. Yeah. Um, really liked uh, getting attacked by a bed. That was kind of cool. <laughs> No, no, the, the the newspaper guy. What was his name? Dooley. 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 Yeah. Uh, I, I did his accent off the cuff. I did not practice it, and that's why I kept kind of going into this weird Irish Only, only one time did you slip into an Irish thing. But, no, I was amazed at how you could just grab that thing and, and run with it and yeah. keep it in there. Just the so. dude version of the uh, My Cousin Vinny chick. It had a, a locked rear end. So they wouldn't have been able to go up on the curb and leave the tread marks on the outside. Like this, that like law thing. I never seen that movie, but I've seen that clip. So I know oh. what he's referring you to. You probably learned it in Animaniacs. Probably, actually. Because I know that Dot does a, like an impression of it. Yeah, no. The Utes love it. The Utes? The Utes. Oh, the Utes. Yeah. The Utes. The Utes. That's what I should have called the kids. The Utes. The Utes. But I didn't. Because I didn't practice. I just was like, well... Uh, let's hope they meet Dooley. Dooley was awesome. Because he's in there. They're like, just, you know, make up whoever you want. And I was like, well, he sells cigars and newspapers. I don't see how he could be anything else. It's got to be it's a Dooley. It's got to be. It's been a Dooley on that counter for 40 freaking years. Right. All right. But that's where we're going to end it tonight, guys. Uh, had a great time tonight. Bye. Bye.